Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey this is liz this is heather this week we are diving into another book club episode covering the golden compass book number one of his dark materials by philip pullman spoilers All right, hit that music. So let me tell you about my prep for today's episode. Okay. I had the Wikipedia list of characters because Mm -hmm. they're hard to remember. Yep. And I thought, you know what? It might be handy actually to put it on my husband's computer because I can see the monitor from here. Uh Uh-huh. So I go over to his computer and I go and open up Chrome. Google image searches up and I'm like, oh no, this is bad. (laughs) You know, (laughs) um, what am I going to see here? And guess what? He was Google image searching. Uh, monkeys? <laughs> Baby Yoda and Mandalorian fan art. Doll. Oh, it's adorable. That is adorable. <laughs> I was very concerned. I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, I try not to look at those things. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably just find like random uh, RPG options. <laughs> the Most of the time we'd find these completely innocent things, but there's always that concern. <laughs> <laughs> Better not to look if you can avoid it. <laughs> yep. All right. So today's episode is on the Golden Compass. It's a book club episode. Yes. And it's part of the His Dark Materials trilogy. Now, for those of people that are not from North America, this book may also be called Northern Lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that. In the Which is Wikipedia. annoying. Because, like, why <laughs> would it make any difference in any other country if it's called Golden Compass or Northern Lights? It wouldn't. It doesn't. It's just like Philosopher's Stone versus Sorcerer's Stone. I get it. We're dumbass Americans. We don't know what words mean. It's fine. I don't understand. Northern Lights is easier to figure out than the Golden Compass. <laughs> All right. We should tell people this is going to have spoilers yes. uh, for the first book. As a result, it also has spoilers for His Dark Materials HBO Season 1. Which I have not watched yet. I was thinking about sitting down and watching it, but since we are only covering the book, I wanted to try to keep yeah. it pure. So I will watch after we finish talking about this. I want to go and watch the series and see how it plays out. So I think at the end, let's go ahead and talk about the characters, particularly one mm-hmm. or two that I feel like were flip-flopped by the actors that played them. Okay. Anyway. I'll have no idea what we're talking about yet. So You'll know who the people are and I'll tell you what characters they play and you'll agree with me that they should be the others. <laughs> <laughs> I probably okay. will. Because okay. I will have no idea why. So Yeah. Okay, so I'm I am pulling the synopsis. This is literally just the little 
clip they give you on Amazon uh, before you go and purchase this book. So Lyra is rushing to the cold, far north where witch clans and armored bears rule. North, where the gobblers take the children they steal, including her friend Roger. North, where her fearsome Uncle Azriel is trying to build a bridge to a parallel world. There's a fucking spoiler right there. Jesus. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Can one small girl make a difference in such a great and terrible or such great and terrible endeavors? This is Lyra, a savage, a schemer, a liar, and as fierce and true a champion as Roger or Azrael could want. But what Lyra doesn't know is that to help one of them will be to betray the other. Mm. Yes. That's the worst synopsis ever. It is a terrible (laughs) synopsis. First, it gives you too much information. Um, One thing I want to kind of read a little bit from the synopsis from Wikipedia, just so they Mm -hmm. can understand about this world, because it's like a parallel universe to the Earth. However, it seems like so far that every single country speaks English and is dominated by a church. Um, Yeah. And white people. Yes. Um, Or and or bears. No. um, (laughs) uh, It's called the magisterium. It's like the church and it controls everything. So it's a theocracy. They're very involved in people's business. Uh, But also that people have demons uh, that are like the souls that exist outside of their body. Mm-hmm. And as a child, these demons can will fluctuate, um, just like personalities kind of fluctuate as a child. And so they can actually jump from animal to animal to animal. And at, once they hit puberty, their animal kind of sets. And so it can range from everything from a butterfly to a hawk to a mammal. Um, I guess fish probably wouldn't work because they couldn't breathe. But other than that, yeah, anything that breathes air could be potentially become your demon. And it sounds like your personality, once it's set, it kind of reflects in your little demon. The really cool people have really cool demons and the not so cool people have crappy ones. Right. More predatory for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that it was that was probably important to to mention just from the get go, because the demons are a big part of the story. And I think it'd be fun, like to have my own little demon. I I didn't know anything about this book going into it other than they made it some movie nobody liked a while back. And it's a book I hadn't read. And it's kind of for kids ish. One, I think this book would be very confusing for small children, or at least like even school age children to really kind of get through a lot of words and things that don't make sense. And they never really fully I mean, it's not until like the end of the book. It's a very Dune kind of situation where it's like, not till the end of the book, do they really kind of describe why people have demons? (laughs) And they're and they're different from what we think of as demons, I guess. So because the demon is basically the outward reflection of that person's soul. But they also seem to be able to, you know, think independently and come up with ideas and execute plans and shit. So yeah, but I don't think they're actually thinking independently. I just think that it's probably Lyra's thoughts and pantomime and her her uh, her demon is just walking her through it just like you do with your own internal dialogue. That's my theory. Mm. But it is kind of cool because they're also a little bit like a periscope. Because if you can't see something, you can send your demon off for like 20 feet to go see something and come back and tell you what they saw. That's Mm kind of cool. That would be helpful for going around dark corners and shit. Exactly. Except for your demon gets just as scared as you do. So there's kind of that problem. They're not (laughs) like, they're not braver than you. And they're not less emotional than you. In fact, it seems like they're more emotional. (laughs) Right. So if you're trying to pretend like and put on a brave face, your demon will give you away. No bastards. 
<laughs> like, suck it up, Pantaliman. <laughs> Who she does call Pan for through a lot of the story. So if we cut to Pan, then then you'll know where that, that is. So. so it starts out where Lyra just lives on her own at a college and she's what 10 yeah weird uh, yeah i thought that too and all the all the scholars are dudes so you know that tracks this is like a steampunk era think of it like that so it's it's all of the archaic ways of the renaissance with some technology but the technology is all based on something other than electricity is what it seems to me right they have zeppelins mm-hmm. and uh hot air balloons yep but they don't have like television or telephones or anything like that. So right. it, it no also internets. could have taken places a long time ago. But nonetheless, we have no idea. It's a parallel world. We don't know how before or behind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Lyra is just this little girl that's at this college that they decide only to train men. I know. It's like, why are you, why are you there? Because there yeah. are other children there, but they're like the children of the servants of the college. Yeah. So like the, the her friend Roger's like a kitchen boy and there's and she plays with these kids. But she's also like the boss, you know, like she runs she runs this little gang. Yeah. But they also don't expect her to do things like the children of the others uh, do. You know, they have to clean and they have to be kept in. And she's just more like the college is her babysitter. So it talks about a lot of the stuff she gets into because she's not learning anything. No, they're not you teaching know, her much. Some yeah. of them have snuck around and taught her some stuff. But uh, but for the most part, she's also just kind of a sneak. So she sneaks around and spies on everybody and kind of susses out things that she maybe should or shouldn't have access to. Yeah. So the first thing that we understand about Lyra is that she is completely unkept and she does not give a shit. So... Mm-hmm. She only really respects uh, a couple of people. One is her uncle, Asriel. And it sounds like he's like the the uncle that comes in with a lot of power, but he's kind of a dick. But she's like, he's the reason why you guys have to treat me nicer than you treat just other kids. Right. But she's also terrified of him. So yeah, yeah. He sounds like somebody you'd be kind of terrified of. Mm-hmm. But he's like, you know, a scholarly badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have them. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Is Neil deGrasse Tyson a scholarly badass? Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Except for he's, you know, he's rude and he's very direct and he's very make sure everything's proper, things like that. So, well, he also it, threatens to have her beat. You know what I mean? Like exactly. Like they see the, this little girl is wandering through this college, sans parents, and it seems like she gets her occasional beatings from God knows who. And, and it's just the way it is. Like nobody thinks anything about this child abuse this or whatever else. It's definitely not happening. a plot point. Correct. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just, this is how it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the very beginning, what she does is she sneaks into like a, not only is Oxford college or Jordan college, a dude's only place. She sneaks in to a dude's only place within the dude's only place. Yeah, it's like a smoking lounge or whatever. Exactly. Like even female, like uh, wait staff, I don't know, servants and stuff, they can't come in. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like the Petroleum Club and all those old like Houston man oil company kind of clubs that they had where, yeah, women could come in for certain points. But there are areas that I mean, I think to this day, you still can't go in. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So obviously patriarchy full in force in this alternate world so flybra sneaks into that secret room she actually sees that the headmaster of the uh college tried to poison her uncle because her uncle was coming to visit Mm -hmm. and 
She's like, okay, I shouldn't be in here, so I shouldn't have seen that, but I certainly can't let my uncle get poisoned. Luckily, her uncle came in before anybody else came in, and she was able to sneak out and tell him, thus saving his life because he did not drink the wine. But he was still all mad at her and grumpy. I know. (laughs) I just saved your life, dude. Don't be a dick. Yeah, let's not be a dick about it. So, yes, I was sneaking around, but guess what that sneaking around did? It saved your life. Yeah, and then he, like, plants her in the closet so that she can continue to spy throughout this meeting and and see if she sees anything that he doesn't. Yeah, so the meeting was basically, he was asking for funding to go back north. So the colleges have a lot of money, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. He was trying to go back north because of some things that he saw there, and what he was looking for was some kind of particle they called dust. And uh, this dust collects on humans and their demons but it doesn't collect on children yet until their demons are formed. Mm-hmm. That's basically, I mean, yeah, it takes us maybe 200 pages to get there, but that's the gist, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, we learn about the dust. Then we learn about the dust collecting on people. And then we go through two chapters and then we learn about the dust, you know, is an elementary particle and the theocracy doesn't like to, he thinks it's sin. And so, you know, go on and on. There you go. But that's the grand scheme of it, because it takes you away from the stories about the character. So I just gave it all to you. Yeah, because nobody cares about dust. It's yes. really Lyra and her journey that we're interested in. Less less on the dust. Exactly. So just like a couple of days later, though, uh, a lady named uh, Mrs. Coulter comes to the school. They require Lyra to get dressed up and go to dinner with her. And she's like, all right. Why? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so she's just annoyed. She's annoyed because she's of that age. Actually, it's just, oh, she was about 12 or 13. So she's a mm-hmm. preteen. So she's awful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She's She'll, she's like that age, but she's also very young. You know, like yeah. she's she's got a lot of childhood stuff still going on. And and maybe that was the thing when olden days were around. Obviously kids are maturing much faster these days and you know. Exactly. I blame dust. <laughs> it's clearly the dust. <laughs> we're all dusty motherfuckers. So <laughs> So this is where we're introduced to Mrs. Coulter. She seems like a lovely lady. Oh, yeah. Lyra is just smitten with her. And she's not a scholar. There are female scholars out there that are given as much renown as a teacher's assistant at an elementary school. (laughs) And it sounds like a useful career choice if you're looking into one um, Mm -hmm. as a woman. And she can't tell what she is, but she's clearly very important because the headmaster is giving her a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. It's good because Lyra likes her. They're talking about traveling and li- all the things that Lyra wants to do as an adult. So she she's really starstruck a little bit by her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we learned the next day that the headmaster calls in Lyra and says, so Miss Coulter wants to take you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <It's> like, <laughs> okay, sure. Why not? Uh, Miss Coulter's going to take you and you're going to live with her and learn from her. Initially, did it feel like she just got sold to Mrs. Coulter? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Because she's like, okay, what it is, is I need an assistant and the assistant has to do calculations and they're going to live with me and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, this sounds like slave labor, but okay. (laughs) Right. It's like, why would you want a 10 year old as your assistant? I don't know. Yeah. Well, we can't have her stay at the college. God forbid she learns things. Well, that's the thing. She's going to accidentally learn some shit. Um, Something else that's happening during this time is that Lyra is hearing whispers. Because remember, she's a part of this or she's the leader of this gang. And her gang and other gangs are like they they're they play war, I guess. So they're constantly 
you know, battling each other. But they're starting to hear that children in London, are they in London? Something like that. Yeah. Children in the city are disappearing, usually from really poor areas. So most of the grownups aren't taking any kind of concern about this at all. But around the time Mrs. Coulter shows up, her friend Roger, the kitchen boy, also goes missing. So... She's like concerned, like we need to find Roger, but then she's also infatuated with this lady and her perfumes and, you know, all of her stuff and her learnings. And she's going to learn to do maths, which they would never teach a girl because, my God, you could add up two plus two equals the patriarchy sucks. And uh, (laughs) we don't want that. But yeah, so she's concerned, but she's also very self-absorbed. She very much lives in her own little world. So as you do when you're a child, um, you know, so she's she's hears, oh, yes, in the formal setting, yes, we're going to, you're going to go away from Mrs. Coulter, you're going to become her assistant, and life will be grand. Yes. So through all the rumors that she hears from all the kids about the missing children is, and some of them are complete, sound completely ridiculous, but overall, one theme keeps running through them is that they call the people that take the kids the gobblers. And I think that is a great name for a child stealing group, the gobblers. Mm-hmm. Um, also, right before Lyra goes off with Miss Coulter, the headmaster brings her in again. Again, the headmaster that just tried to poison her uncle, but she's like, oh, you know, bygones, whatever. And um, he gives her a little compass thing, hence the golden compass. An alethiometer. Yes, it's an alethiometer. He says, you're going to have to figure out how to use it. Well, it turns out the reason why she was going to have to figure out how to use it is because nobody fucking knows how to use it. But, right. <laughs> um, we have no instructions. Good luck. Yes, beside the point. So he gives her the sleep and he says, do not tell Mrs. Coulter you have it. So red flag doesn't seem to bother her um, that, you know, this murderer was like, hey, this lady's bad. And she's like, yeah, I'm sure everything's going to be fine. (laughs) What could possibly happen? (laughs) I'm going to go be in a secretary. It's going to be amazing. Yes. (laughs) I'm dead. She's like, like, you haven't taught me how to write anything, but you know what? It's fine. I can do complex math equations in my head. So she starts She starts getting more red flags. Like, for example, she keeps promising Libra that they're going to go up to the north, yet all she's doing is boring math. You know, because people that go to a barren place and need to learn things before they go there shouldn't have to do any studies beforehand. They should just drop them off in the north and not deal with it. Yes, we I just was, need to go. Let's go. Yeah. As an adult... I don't really have any concern that she's studying before she goes up north. But Mm -mm. as a child, apparently that was a concern of hers. Anyway, during the course of Lyra's stay with Mrs. Coulter, she finds out a couple of things. One, Mrs. Coulter works for the General Obligation Board. Then, uh, Oblation. Oblation. Oblation Board. The General Oblation Board. Fun. That's not easy to say. So guess Mm. what? They call them gobbler. (laughs) (laughs) because it's easier (laughs) um actually she finds out they're called the gobblers from some drunken party a guest and at that point she realizes hey this may not be the best place to live since uh mrs coulter is the head of the gobblers oh and also remember she's got that crazy golden monkey demon Oh, yeah. And, and lyra and pants lyman are terrified of this monkey because he's very vicious Yes. And see, that's another red flag that Lyra completely ignored because 
The demon is part of the soul of the human, and so if the demon is flipping the fuck out, no matter what the person looks like, they um, are flipping the fuck out on the inside. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, the little monkey choked pantalimon. Yeah, that was so sad. Just because she wanted to wear a purse to a party. Ridiculous. Yep. That is insane. Why would you want to wear a purse? <laughs> yes. I mean, I could see it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, purses. You might have an alethiometer in there we don't know about. I just think it was like a fashion faux pas. It's like, sorry, we don't do that here. Right. How dare you wear a, wear a purse? In like, this listen, house? Madeline, this is not <laughs> your day on the town. <laughs> anyway, Libra runs away during said party. Yeah, she sneaks out and, and takes off. But she's been hiding the alethiometer, the golden compass, the whole time she's been there. But she keeps thinking that the monkey knows that she's got it. So she's yeah. like freaking out. and like She's kind of learning how to use it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she can currently ask it yes and no questions. It is determined that it's eventually is a knowledge device. It gives you information, but it's very, very difficult to read. So Lyra has run away. She gets kidnapped immediately upon running away because there's people out there gobbling children. Hence, mm. the comments originally brought. And if you're just a kid solo without parents around, you're kind of easy picking. So she immediately mm-hmm. gets kidnapped and doesn't know what's happening, doesn't know what's happening. She's in the back of some van that's steam powered or something. I don't know what the hell. Mm-hmm. Was she in a van? Down by the river or something. Anyway, all of a sudden her kidnapper, she can hear that her kidnappers get in a fight with somebody and they open up the back of whatever she was being carried in. And the person that rescued her actually knows her because he was Egyptian and he worked at Oxford College or Jordan College in yeah, Oxford. I think one of his siblings was one of the ones who had gone missing. It wasn't Roger. I think it was a different kid. And mm-hmm. they'd been looking, but they knew Lyra from the school. I think that they refer to this group of people as Egyptians because they're like gypsies. They kind of move from town to town is a theory. Mm-hmm. Right. But not positive. They could be Egyptian. Also an option. Yeah, no telling. They don't really say. So hey, gypsies. I don't know. I, I was thinking gypsies. Mm-hmm. They sound they sound more like a gypsy troop, basically. Yeah. Or then, at least the way we, we kind of know of them from movies and shit. So as we learn about the Egyptians, we learn that they're kind of water people. They like to be on the rivers and they travel usually via water most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the Egyptians... They know a lot of shit. First of all, they know about Lyra, that she's gone missing because they've already gotten the notice that all hands on deck, we got to find this missing uh, child. Mm -hmm. Then they also happen to have the Egyptian that raised Lyra when she was an infant and doesn't remember anymore in the group. Yep. This is like the weirdest neighborhood watch you've ever seen. Exactly. Now, the Egyptians (laughs) are very nice people. They um, tell... Lyra, immediately, some devastating, devastating news. <laughs> mm, yeah, they're, they're good about that. Yeah, they're like, hey, you know, this is going to be a little frustrating for you, but you probably should know um, Lord Asriel's your dad. Right. He's not your mean-ass uncle. He's, in yeah. fact, your mean-ass dad who has, in fact, abandoned you at a college full of old men for no reason. Yes, exactly. And um, he he killed somebody else. And it was actually the husband of your mom, because guess what? They weren't married. Anyway, um, <laughs> right. and your and your mom's Miss Coulter, and we like her. Yeah, no, that was sarcasm. <laughs> exactly. 
She's crazy. But since your dad went missing, because I think we forgot that part, um, Lord Asriel like goes off to the north and then he's missing. Like nobody knows where he is. Yeah. And so this is this is one of Lyra's reasons for wanting to go north is she wants to one see dust, uh, two see possible bears. And three, rescue her uncle. And by this time, she started to intuitively figure out the lithiometer. She hears from other people that generally there's tons of books and uh, data behind what the lithiometer uh, is telling you when you ask it a question. But she knows automatically kind of gets a feeling about what it is. So that's handy. It's like people that have like a natural talent to like skateboard or something. And other people that try and read about how to skateboard. That's what I got. (laughs) Yeah. So <laughs> anyway. she's kind of a little Jedi. It's kind of fun. <laughs> she's, a, she's got a little Jedi in her. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, the Egyptians have decided long before picking up Lyra that they actually are going to go and uh, rescue some children. Because since they go after the gobblers go after poor children, a lot of Egyptians are gone. Mm-hmm. Well, they seem to they seem to absolutely focus on children who don't have strong parental watching like kids that are wandering the wild by themselves yeah because obviously that is the easier target yeah if i got paid per kid that's what i'd be looking for Mm -hmm. i would just go to like a toy section um somewhere and just pluck them out because the Mm -hmm. parents are off doing something else yep there you go now i know now i'm telling you my kidnapping strategy I'm pretty sure it's everybody's kidnapping strategy. Toy stores, or not the toy section of a regular store. Because the regular store, the parents go off, they just drop the kids off in the toy section to destroy it. That's where yeah, you get them. I would tell you, this day and age, the place to pick up the kids is probably the Apple store. Because parents do dump them and then go shop the rest of the mall, leave the kids there. Uh, I would not recommend trying to kidnap a toddler out of a toy section. Uh, if you ever tried to drag a toddler out of a toy section, you'll know exactly why. It is, it is not a quiet retreat. Well, I think that everybody would just assume the kid was just being a brat. Mm. And, you know, you go to places where kids are being bratty and when they're screaming, nah, 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 they won't notice you grab one and screaming at you. <laughs> You're not my real mom. Except your kids probably tell you that, too. So, <laughs> Anywho. Uh, <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Lyra joins the group heading north. Uh, the group of the Egyptians heading north because number one, she was a brat and she said she had to go. And number two, um, she said, hey, look, I can tell the future with the lithiometer. Isn't that important to you? And so they finally said, yeah, that actually sounds pretty helpful. Yeah. So this is when she's she's with, was it John Farr, uh, Fatty Corman, which is spelled very differently than how they pronounce it. We we listen to the audiobooks on some of the shit. And you guys are going to have to uh, forgive us because as they get further north, the names get more Scandinavian. And we're just going by the accents and the <laughs> the pronunciations of the audiobook. So yeah. So yeah, John Fa is the king of the Egyptian people. Mm-hmm. And he's very, very wise, uh, as you would expect for the king of a people. But he's also very protective, especially of her and uh, making sure that, you know, she gets up there safely, which I got to say, her own parents kind of shit on that aspect. So they're heading up north to find um, where they're taking the gobblers. They find out um, through a variety of uh, break-ins at Coulter's house where they live, right? And I'm just yep. going to pretend it's like Ann Coulter, because why not? 
Uh, so they break into Ann Coulter's house. She's almost. like, she, Ann Coulter would make the perfect Mrs. Coulter because that's she's why such it's like it's bitch. so perfect. It's like this is absolutely perfect. She uh, pretends to have a belief so she can get more power. I totally understand um, uh, who she is. This is it's almost like Nostradamus wrote this, or Ann Coulter gave herself that name based on this character. <laughs> I don't right. know, but they are the same person. Yep. So they break in Ann Coulter's house and they find <laughs> an address for where they take all the kids. So mm-hmm. handy. As they start heading up there, Lyra starts learning about all these other peoples and species. Like she learns about witches, which comes down, starts chatting with them. It's actually not the witch. It's a witch's demon. The witch's demon can fly miles and miles away from a person. Yes. And they talk, she talks about everyone in their full names. Do you remember this? Of course. Of course. Yes. It's, it's so annoying. fucking weird. Like, so the, the witch that they, they keep talking to her, her, uh, her familiar or whatever is Serafina Piccola or Piccola, yes. something like that. And they keep saying in Serafina Piccola because over don't and over. get her mixed up with the other Serafinas that right. they talk about in the book, which they don't talk about any other Serafinas. Um, the one that gets me is the fucking bear. She the calls the bear. bear by his full name throughout the whole yeah. thing, even to his face. When yes. she's talking to him, she says his whole name. They are very formal people. Uh, it's very weird. <laughs> they, we hear about the witches. Um, Serafina uh, Pecola kind of comes down. Well, her goose comes down and chats with them. It becomes very apparent that, number one, not all witches are for or and not all witches are against the gobblers. And so, therefore, it's not going to be able to get a united front from right. the witches. The witches aren't willing to help them in that realm. We also find out about the armored bears. And yes. armored bears are a very loyal to their employment contract. And they are contractors. They are like mercenary bears. So mm-hmm. they, they don't really have a stake in the game. But they if they sign a contract or if they're there under some sort of contract. Because that's how uh, Yorick um, Bernstein, I don't know what his name is actually, like Yurik Byron, Byronson, Byronson, I don't know, but he he reminds me of the Berenstein Bears a little bit. Is now um, he's like working for this town where the Egyptians happen to like roll in for whatever reason. He's working for this town, but the town like got him drunk and stole his armor and like tricked him into some sort of servitude contract. So you know, Lyra, she's like, "Fuck that! I want that bear. I'm gonna find his armor." Where is it, Alethiometer? Tell me. Yeah, that's when we learn about um, there is a one particular bear. Most of the bears all do the exact same thing, same contract, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Yurik, who, Birnison, God forbid we don't say his last name because you might get it mixed up with all the other Yuriks. Right. He's he's kind of off to the side because he's been exiled from the group of armored bears. Yep. And uh, it's because he killed another armored bear. Not cool, dude. Anyway. Yeah. Goes against the code of the bear. Um, apparently, although they're polar bear, they're shit for fighting without their armor. Oh, yeah. They got they need that armor. I, I don't understand that. Because if no bears had armor, they would still be the most fierce thing out there. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you added armor, you've added a liability to yourself, and now you can't be as good as your other bears. But apparently you can't get them drunk or they make terrible decisions. Well, that's why he he killed that other bear, because they say that usually the bears, if they know they're outmatched, they'll back down because they don't want to be torn to shreds. But uh, Yurik's opponent was uh, drugged 
by the guy who wanted to be the bear king. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he killed him because he didn't realize that, you know, he was that's drunk. Some, that's some human thinking right there. You know, only well, that, in hindsight you realize that. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Wikipedia page describes Yurik Berberinson, whatever his name is, as an armored bear. Uh, they're a race of polar bear-like creatures with human-level intelligence and opposable thumbs. Oh, they Can have opposable a thumbs. a bear paw with an opposable thumb? I think that's yeah. why they do all that construction work. Oh, that makes sense. And then and they can bend metal very easily mm-hmm. and very precisely. Right. So they are the machinists of the <laughs> north. Of the, yes, the animal kingdom. Yep. So they have a special steel that they have, too, that can withstand bear stabbings and whatnot. Yeah. So I think their metal, their iron is actually like from a meteor or some shit. That's why yeah. the armor is so strong. Yeah. So um, the group of the Egyptians find out about this armored bear that's all by himself from the witch and said, oh, well, maybe they can become an our employee and then that would be handy. Mm-hmm. So how much you got to pay a bear? I don't know. Well, they all they had to pay him was this is where your armor is. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that was handy. And then, oh, then he mentions, hey, I also have a friend that's an aeronaut, and can he come <laughs> with us, too? As you do when you're a bear. Yeah. So he's got this Texan. <laughs> I don't know who it was. <laughs> right. Uh, Lee, Lee Scoresby, or Scoresby mm-hmm. is the aeronaut. He flies a balloon. And he has, in the audiobook, an unmistakable Texas accent. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, think they even talk about how he's either from America or he's been to America. Or I don't oh, yeah. Know. He's that heard is, of America. Yeah. For for English books, that's the default setting for American is Texan. Texan. Yeah. Which I am yeah, all for. That's fine. Um, so Leah Scoresby comes along with him with his hot air balloon. So they've gained two powerful friends because, mm-hmm. what's her name? Lyra found the alethiometer, figured out where to get the bear his armor, and now... I forgot why Lee Scoresby came along, but he's along. I don't know, but he's also like, and I'll leave when I want to leave. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. So, um, the tie that brings Lee Scoresby to the group, it was very loose, and even in the TV show, I still couldn't figure out why he decided to come along. Maybe but. it's in another book or something. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to show off his hot balloon prowess. So as soon as they all get back together, almost immediately, Lyra is looking at her alethiometer, trying to figure out what's going on next. And she gets uh, a notice from the alethiometer that something bad and is a clue to the puzzle is happening like three days away mm-hmm. um, in the opposite direction they're going. Yeah, and the the Egyptians don't want to go. They're like, "Nah, we're on a mission." She's yeah, like, "Ah, not- this is important, I think." So she takes the bear, as you do, and uh, they go f- try to figure out what's the trouble. Yeah, when they find out the trouble, they find out there's a kid out in this town that just kind of wandered in, and he scares everybody. Mm-hmm. And they go and see him, and they see why he scares everybody. He doesn't have a demon. This demon so- has been ripped away. Exactly. Apparently, they don't have anybody with disabilities up there because they're like, oh, my God, it's like a ghost, hideous child that we can never love again. Well, they keep saying, like, there's a ghost, there's a ghost. It's like, no, no, that's a half-frozen, starving child with no demon. Like, Yeah, exactly. Nice you guys are kind folks. of being dicks. Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Um, so she picks him up, brings him back. And the whole time he's just, he's having post-traumatic stress disorder. He's trying to find his um, demon named Rata. It's very sad. Very, very sad. And they bring him back, and all the Egyptians are like, ah! 
where's that kid's demon? This is not right. Anyway, mm-hmm. they realize that, hey, the gobblers had taken him. They took away his demon. And now this he's this husk of a kid. Then he just dies. And the kid dies. Yeah. It's just, you know, you can't survive without the bottom half or top half of you, apparently. So... All right, now that she's back, she's able to get the get there and back uh, and catch right up with the Egyptians because armored bears are so fast. And then nearly immediately later, she gets kidnapped again. Yeah, she's good at that. God, she is useful at uh, getting kidnapped. You think the lithiometer would have said, "Oh, by the way, you're going to get kidnapped, so maybe avoid this area." But <laughs> right, it's like, nope, nope, I can't tell you things about your own future that um, would damage things. Yeah, maybe that's what happened. So she gets kidnapped and she actually gets picked up by the gobblers mm-hmm. and taken to the place that the Egyptians were on their way up to anyway. But she's smart and she lies about her name. Yes. And they keep like questioning her like, are you sure you don't have any parents? Like, Are you sure you're alone? Hmm. Yeah. It's she's a- just in this like weird hospital full of children. I know. It's really weird. She's not concerned at all. Yeah. It sounds just like a lot of sci-fi movies where she's just stuck with a bunch of people. And and Roger's there. She's like, hey, I found you. Right. I was looking for you. Here we are. I didn't get kidnapped and end up in here just like you. Nope. I was looking and found you. I am here with a mission and a purpose that I didn't know about until now. That's how it rolls. But she is aware of what they do there, and none of the other kids are. Mm -hmm. So she kind of has her her demon talk to Roger's demon to let him know Mm -hmm. and how important it is to try and escape. Yeah, and they want the kids to escape, but they also can't tell everybody in case the word gets back to the grown-ups and... They go yeah. through all this like questioning and then they're like fattening them up, giving them lots of food and shit. She like escapes during a fire drill, right? So all the kids are outside, they're in their coats and they're cold. She's like stowed her pack in the ceiling tiles, I guess. And she goes like scrounging around. And was it the, was it the goose? Yeah, yeah. Serafina's uh, Piccolo's goose. Goose comes to help find some crazy ass lab that has all these cutaway demons. It was actually, they were looking for Lyra and she got there faster than everybody. Right. And she, the right. goose said, Hey, just, you know, hold tight. We're about three days away. Um, She's like, about- Three days? Fuck that. It's snowing outside. We got to run away now. I know. <laughs> right now. Her mom shows up. Ann Coulter shows up. That's why she has to. Yeah, uh, hurry her escape. Yes, there was a there was a lot of little things here, but um, we know that help is on the way, and we know that if they escape, they're going to freeze to death and die just about instantaneously. Yes, but while she's sneaking around trying to find ways to escape and to get the word out to people that they're going to escape, she gets caught. You're right. They bring her. Well, first they're going to go rip her demon away. They're gonna they're gonna cut pantaliman away. Yeah, it's like a lobotomy. Like mm-hmm. they figured out how to do it, and they just it just makes you complacent. It was interesting because, like you mentioned earlier, they can send the demon forward to look or look around for shit, but they can't go very far. And while they're separated in any form of distance, they um, they get very anxious about the whole yeah. thing. So they're trying to rip the demon away from her, and she's freaking out, and he's freaking out, and they're crying, and it physically hurts. Because again, if somebody's trying to rip the essence of who you are away from you, that sounds painful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then then Ann Coulter shows up to save the day. 
Does she yeah. know that it's her mom at that point, or did she find yes. that part out yeah. later? No, she knew it was her mom at that point. But I don't think the yes. people who had her knew who she was. Oh, absolutely not. They did not know. And then when Ann Coulter goes, they're like, oh, how dare you do this? Oh, no, I got to stop this right away. And it was like, okay, so you're okay with it doing it to all these other kids, just oh, yeah. not, not yours. Not my daughter. Right. Exactly. Um, she And she doesn't ever even say that it was her daughter again to any of them. But um, she's like, this one's, we don't do that to this one. <laughs> right. No, no. She's she's with me. Yeah. She's fine. This yeah, is my I, assistant. I need I need her uh, demon intact for the calculations. Yeah. That is what we need. The demon really aids in, its cal- in her the calculations. The demon does the maths. He has more fingers and toes than she does. So. She can only go to 10 um, mm-hmm. or 20 with her, so- her shoes off without the demon. Right. So Lyra tells uh, Ann Coulter that uh, <laughs> the reason that she was um, kidnapped for- at the party and that she didn't run away. So then right. it kind of fools her a little bit. Uh, it doesn't last very long when she stages a big escape. <laughs> yeah, it does tend to start. But now she's she's being hunted, basically. She's being chased by all these folks. And then uh, I guess the bear and the balloon man show up. Yeah. And they rescue uh, her and Roger. All the other kids are going to freeze to death. But Yeah. No, they were able to get everybody. The Egyptians got up there, got everybody else out. So they saved a lot of the children. But... Um, that was the end of it, really, for the Egyptians, because they're like, we got to take the kids back. We're not going right. to stick they're around. Like, yeah, we're not going on to to uh, your uncle slash dad's house. Uh, he's crazy. Yeah. Um, we, he's probably being held captive. Like, you don't you don't need to go up there. You don't need to yeah. go up there. But Yorick um, does make a pact with her, which they hold as the highest honor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that he's that he was going to help her find. Lord Asriel. And so sh- somehow her, Lee, Scoresby, and Roger go to the north. Yeah. Well, they go more more north because they're already fairly north. Okay. Um. Yeah. Sans Egyptians. Mm-hmm. And to go and save Lord Asriel. Oh, we forgot to talk about another important part. What's that? The king of the armored bears. Oyefer or Loifer Rackneson, who is the king of the armored bears. He's the one that staged the whole thing to get... um dork out and who actually is the rightful king so he's the one that drugged the guy anyway so lyra promises him she's gonna help him get his kingdom back because she needs the armored bears bears. yeah um apparently we learned that the armored bears are actually holding lord asriel as prisoner Mm -hmm. and so she goes and helps uh yorick get back to his rightful place as the king. And the way she does that is she tricks the king of the bears into I, saying that she is a demon. I had totally forgotten that part. It was amazing. A demon of Yorick Berenson. Yes. She says she's a demon of Yorick and she would much rather be a uh, demon of the king. Because see, uh, bears don't have demons. And yes. this fat bear king wants to be a human. Yes. So he's trying to learn all the things. Yeah. He kept a doll and pretended it was a demon of and a little everybody girl. Everybody did. <laughs> yeah. And like so the whole the whole court of bears are walking around with little stuffed animals. <laughs> These yeah. giant armored bears of fucking stuffed animals with them. This is my demon. Which I would be this- on board if we just decided to do that now. Yeah, we should do it. See yeah. if anybody notices. You're like that's just my demon. It's cool. That's my demon. It's Groot. All right. <laughs> My baby Yoda demon. <laughs> but uh, so the king 
is a little crazy, is what it sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. And a she lot convinces of them that she's a demon that can go far away from her, uh, from her bear, because uh, that's just how it works. She's like a witch's demon, mm-hmm. and convinces him that he needs to fight Yorick for the rightful crown, uh, so that she can become his demon somehow if he be wins him in a fight she gets his demon i don't know how they think that works but you know good for her in i don't know but it. i think this is when she picks up the name lyra silvertongue because she's a fucking liar <laughs> all she does I know, it's is a great lie. name yeah it is a great name but it's very perfect for her um so when laura comes to town uh, she runs out and she's like oh by the way i tricked him into fighting you and if you win you are the king so have at it. Hope you're not too tired. Go right. on. And she, Good luck. I hope you win. She's like, wish I would have had a little bit of, uh, you know, food and rest beforehand, but whatever. Uh, goes in, uh, immediately beats the shit out of the king because she knows, he knows now, Lorik, that the the king can be fooled, even though most bears cannot be tricked. So he feigned an in- injury and mm-hmm. then beat the shit out of him. So. Right. Good for York. Now he's the king of the bears. Gets the gets the contract called off. Nobody's watching Lord Asriel. Right. York takes her and Roger and like a small company of bears to wherever it is that they're keeping him because he's not being kept there on site. He's like elsewhere in a cave or something. So, you know, time passes. She gets up there. As soon as Lord Asriel sees Lyra, he looks pissed. He's very upset that she's there. Well, remember he was like waiting for a kid or something. And then I saw her and he's like, not her. I know. Apparently, he can just summon children, and then yeah. just the wrong one came. He was very upset. Mm-hmm. Well, when you put out that candy trail, kids are likely to show up. Yep. Everybody wants themselves some Lord Asriel. Anyway. <laughs> 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 All right. So, uh, so he seemed uh, very, very pissed off. He's like, why did you come up here? She's like, I thought I was supposed to come up here. <laughs> Right, she's like, your damn compass yeah. told me to come here. Exactly, the one you gave to the headmaster who gave to me, so I assumed it was because you wanted it. Because, you know, kids are good at figuring out subtlety. But he's mm-hmm. like, no, that's not, uh, that's, th- nope, that's not what I wanted. Then he sees Roger, and he's like, oh, hey! <laughs> What's up, to- kid? Hey, we got people, we got tents, let's, it's a feast, let's come on, everybody, let's hang out. Mm-hmm. Um this is when we find out about all the science behind the dust and that the church doesn't like uh, dust because they think it's sin and um, they don't want to admit that it is an elementary particle. And the reason why they split from each other, the split people's demons from it is a science experiment for the church. And if they uh, no longer gab- grab dust after the demon goes away, then they were successful and they got rid of the dust, whatever. Like, why do we care? But apparently we do. So he says, oh, but you know where it actually is a problem. And this is, so when they're doing it for is this experiment, but if they really were smart, this is like a lot of energy. And every time you split a demon from somebody, you create this huge amount of energy that can be used for other useful things. And the gobblers, they're just wasting that shit. Right. Lyra's like, oh, no red flags here. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> It's good to see you, BT nice Dubs. Uh, I heard you're actually my dad, so... Yeah. Yeah, Thanks like, good fathering. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the next morning, she wakes up and Lord Asriel has kidnapped Roger. And they're off. Right. It's like, uh, <laughs> what? 
<laughs> I don't know what's happening, but it can't have anything to do with the thing about splitting the child from the demons no, and creating no, a whole bunch her, of energy that can be used for other things. No, because her dad is an amazing guy. He's yeah. been captured and not locked up for murdering children at all. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, so she goes after him. She takes her bear, takes the bear. Yeah. Yeah, you can't go past a certain point. It's an ice bridge that gets a little... Um, yeah, he's too big. He can't hold his weight. So she runs across the ice bridge, gets up to the top, just as Lord Azrael splits Roger and his demon. It creates a terrible amount of energy, and we don't know what the fuck's going on. And Coulter shows up right about then, too. Yes, and Coulter shows up there. You can't quite figure out if Lord Asriel is happy to see her or is just trying to fool her. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Those guys have a interesting relationship. They mm-hmm. probably have good sex, but that's about it. <laughs> Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's it's toxic. Right. <laughs> Anywho, um, yeah, she shows up and they start arguing. And then he says, look, you can come to this new world with me. I just created it. Um, all this time, poor little Roger's dying in his cage because his demon just got split with him. Eh, mm-hmm. Let's worry about that later. And um, Lyra finally digs up just as she sees Lord Asriel cross to the north through the northern lights. And she can tell that there's a city behind there. And he walked into a parallel world that was just open because of this splitting of the demon from the child. And so she talks to Pantalima about it. And she's like, look, I'm not going to be able to do anything about what's causing the problem here on Earth. I'm going to go to that parallel world. And off mm. she goes into the northern lights with her demon and Roger Roger died just a yeah. second ago. It's just just, it's just a gone. moment ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, then she, she says, in order to do him any service, I've got to find out about this dust and why we care so much about it. And she walked into the parallel world at the, behind Lord Asriel. I don't think he saw her. Mm-mm. End scene. Yeah. Cliffhanger. So that's the book. <laughs> that's the book. <laughs> I liked it. It was yeah, good. I liked it too. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I remember when I read it the first time, I said, I'm going to read that second book. Mm-hmm. And I never read the second book. Yeah, I said the same thing, but I've not yet tried to find the second book. So I know. And I wonder what that means. Does that I mean that know. we didn't like it enough? Or yeah, I'd, or it might just be kind of like, like when we did the Dresden Files, we did the first book a couple of years ago. And then it took me a little while to kind of want to pick up the next book. And with that one, I was like, I liked it, but I wasn't in love with it. Like it, it took me a lot. Now the Dresden Files books have all gotten better as they go. Like I'm, yeah. I'm invested now in the storyline. Yeah. But uh, this one, I haven't fully gotten invested in picking up the next one yet. So we'll see. Yeah. I'll let you know if I end up doing it. In fact, um, and I did want to talk a little bit about the HBO series. Mm-hmm. Um, so the HBO series did come on and it was very in line with the books. I mean, almost oh, identical. Good. There's one extra random character that I haven't figured out yet. And he may be from later book, but um, generally the book is identical to uh, the HBO movie, uh, with the exception of maybe one scene every few episodes with this, this random additional guy. Sure. So I think that the way I'm going to continue with the series is if HBO continues the series, I will watch the HBO show. Yeah, the books are long. And that weird thing with the first and last name is actually very distracting. Yeah, I've got one other author, one other author that I read who always seems to do that. And I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> you've introduced the character. Can we uh, move along now and pretend it, like we actually know who they are? Yeah. Okay, so let me tell you about the casting. Mm-hmm. 
So the people in the HBO movie, these are the two big names, James McAvoy and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm. Okay. So those are two biggest names in the HBO series. Mm -hmm. So guess who plays who? Well, what are the options? (laughs) Lord Asriel Uh and Lee Scoresby. Oh, um, well, I would put Lin-Manuel Miranda as Lord Asriel. So would I. James McAvoy is Lord Asriel. No. Yeah. Please. So it's so it's really weird that um, Lynn Moran Rail Miranda is playing this dude with this weird accent, right? Hmm. Um, uh, it's not quite the Texas accent, you know. It's just more of a generic aviator American. I don't know how to describe it. The way he's playing it, it doesn't feel like he's like the rough and tumble that you get the impression of in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really automatically puts me off. It just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, though, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to watching it now that I've read the book and we've talked about it. I was trying to, like I said, keep my brain a little bit more pure on the book so I wouldn't start pulling things in from the show. Yeah, I keep pulling things in from the show because I did read the, you know, read the book. But then I watched the show afterwards. And I'm like, man, this is identical. It was yeah, so well, that's close. Good. Yeah. So and going forward, I will watch the show. <laughs> but they, they can only totally have three seasons because there's only three trilogies. And, you know, if they do really well, they're going to actually try and add a fourth one. It'll well, ruin the I whole thing. I think there actually is a fourth, but it's like a prequel. So it's like when oh, Lyra's yeah. a baby or some shit. Yeah, I did see that. So, so I don't know. All right. Are you going to continue to watch it, you think? Mm, we'll see. Check it out on HBO and then decide. Yeah. Um, James McElvey, pretty hot, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty hard to make him, even though he's a bad guy. Yeah. But you're supposed to be surprised by that. So surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you had a demon, what would your demon be? I don't know. I think I'm a little biased because I, I, I keep thinking of like the ferret, you know, the Weasley type that Pantaliman was a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like that. I found it handy. And, you know, they can crawl into your pocket, keep warm. So what would yours be? Well, I would say if they could be aquatic, it would clearly be a shark. However, <laughs> since we don't think that's a thing, um, I don't know. I was thinking some sort of like a like a dragon or an iguana or something. I don't know why. I don't really like reptiles. But. Yeah, they kind of go. I mean, like the dragon would be fine. But like mm-hmm. the iguana would be a very slow walker. So it feel like I it would keep they ride on a- your shoulder half the time. Oh, yeah. It's like a Pikachu. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. So maybe something like that. I don't know. I can't, I don't know why. For whatever reason, I don't know if you've seen Moana, but the uh, iguana that Maui turns into from time to time keeps popping in my head, and he kind of also looks like a bit of a dragon. So, hmm. yep. All right. I don't think I'd want a monkey because it'd probably just bite your ear or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're too. Their facial expressions are too close to humans, so you couldn't mm-hmm. hide anything. Yeah, and I think the same with like a big cat like a lynx or a, you know, leopard or something. Well, I think one, it would just kind of get in your way all the time. And it'd be harder to hide. Wouldn't be very stealthy. So I want you something know, that could be a little more stealthy. Yeah, I do like the big cats. And I think, well, you know what? Cats are assholes. That actually might end up being my spirit animal. <laughs> right. Uh, I kind of like the lynx too. Like, you know, the, or a, you know, or a weevil or not a weevil. Oh, weevil. <laughs> <laughs> I have to carry around this bucket of flour with me to take my weevil wherever I go. Yeah, my that weevil sounds me. awful. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> a weasel. It would probably make more sense. Uh, mm. 
Okay, so I guess that is our book club in a nutshell. Yes. Do you have any uh, internet quotes for us today? I do. I'm enjoying as a early millennial or late generation Xer. Or nobody knows exactly what I am. Um, <laughs> the millennial versus boomers arguments. And obviously the millennials are winning Twitter because, uh, well, Twitter, right? Um, it's from at Jabuki. Millennials killed department stores. Yeah, baby boomers killed the polar bears. But right, right, right. My deepest apologies to JCPenney. <laughs> That's a good so, one. Yeah, I'm just enjoying just sitting on the sideline and watching the world burn here with these. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So anyway, I think our next book club is going to be Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, right? Yeah, I'm quite a ways through it. So I have not started it yet, but I have invited Randy from Cult 45 to come and uh, guest with us again. He did such an awesome job on the Prisoner of Azkaban show last year, and it was fucking hilarious. If you've not listened to it, go listen. It was so funny. Yeah, by popular demand, we brought back a dude. Yep. And we've got some, we've actually got some more dudes that we're scheduling with. So, you know, new things happening on Nerdy Bitches. Yeah. New year, new things. Uh, Yes. By popular band, we brought back Randy, not necessarily just a dude. (laughs) Well, yes. yes. People weren't demanding dudes. They were demanding Randy. They were demanding Randy. Exactly. So yeah, it'll be awesome. The uh, the one and only use of a bleep uh, on any podcast we've ever done in 155 episodes. (laughs) Yes. And it stopped. We didn't bleep it because we said foul things. Because we say foul things all the time. Oh yeah, we don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, uh, we we bleeped a spoiler. So, but it was a yeah. hilarious bleep. So I liked it. Anyway, um, I guess that's all we've got going on. Make sure you go and check out our uh, sponsor partner over at frankieandmer.com and use our code nerdy to get fifteen percent off your entire order plus free shipping over thirty five dollars. Uh, because their shit is just awesome. We love it. And yeah, and obviously Spray the Bitch Away is our favorite, but they have all kinds of other very fun, not only named, but very good smelling essential oils. Very much looking forward to uh, to seeing what all they have coming out. They sent me a mystery fragrance not too long ago. So it's exciting. So. It is exciting, but we have no idea what it's supposed to treat. <laughs> I don't know what it's for or what it does. It smells good. So Yeah, yeah. I'm either going to get wired up, calm down, or uh, less hungry. I don't know. <laughs> they need a less hungry spray. Where is the appetite suppressant spray? Oh, my like God. One of those. I wonder what the, what the oil you should use for that is. I don't know. It smells like <laughs> cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, it just smells like bacon. That would be yeah. great. My bacon brings all the boys to the yard. So fuck milkshakes. (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, we will catch you next week then. All right. See you next time. Music provided by www.bensound.com, and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. We're all dusty motherfuckers.